This is Do Good and Do Well with me, Sarah Fox, the podcast where we explore how you can help make positive change in the world without losing yourself. Yes. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Do Good and Do Well. I hope you are well and doing good. In today's episode, I am welcoming Gemma Wufferton. Gemma is a passionate theatre maker, producer and facilitator with over 20 years of experience working with children and young people in a variety of contexts. She is the Speak Up producer at Theatre Royal Wakefield, leading work with the National Theatre and the programme Speak Up. It's a creative programme focusing on co-creation to bring about change with young people. Gemma is also the drama coach at Opera North, working with a range of participants to engage with opera in a range of ways. She's also a board member for the National Association of Youth Theatres and is the Yorkshire champion for open drama. In this conversation, we are talking about theatre and drama. The two of us love it a lot, so we talk about that and why we enjoy it so much. And why we think it's so important that young people have the opportunity to engage in theatre. We also talk about trying to be more joyful and focusing on the positives in our work. Remembering what we love about what we do. We talk about identity. And Gemma's really open about some of the challenges that she has experienced. And how she's ended up in this place. If you are a freelancer who would like support in working out what's the thing that you want to make the difference to in the world, how you can maybe simplify what you're doing and build a financially sustainable business, then do get in touch. I have some spaces on my Lasting Impact group coaching and mentoring program starting in September. My email is Sarah at sarahfox.co.uk and we can have a conversation about how I might support you in making a bigger impact in the world. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Do get in touch if something resonates with you. I'd love to hear from you. Here you go. Yes. Hello, Gemma, and welcome to the Do Hello. Good and Do Well podcast. How are you today? I'm very good. I'm very good. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're you're welcome. <laughs> Tell people about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Who am I? What do I do? Okay, great question. Um, so I am currently working on a project um, called Speak Up, which is with the National Theatre. And I am a producer for that project. And that project covers work um, with nine different theatres. And the theatre that I'm based in and work for is um, Theatre Royal in Wakefield. And Speak Up is about co-creating work with young people. Um, My role is to broker relationships between young people and artists and teachers. Uh, So we're making work in schools. And this is a three-year project. And we're coming to the end of the first year. Um, and we have had young people working with artists to write poetry, create augmented realities. Um, we've got some young people who have written a manifesto, which they'll be performing um, at a kind of like a teacher's conference. It might be like a flash mob. They might burst in. Um, and so I do that for two and a half days a week. And then I also 
work for Opera North. I'm their drama coach. And that role, again, is with young people. Um, very different to what I did beforehand. Um, the young people at Opera North are amazing singers. And my role was a new role two years ago. And part of my job is to help young people connect with what they're singing, think about their stage presence, and also to get young people to be working well together. Um, mm -hmm. I was youth theatre director at Leeds Playhouse for 10 years, and we would spend the first term establishing the group dynamics um, and sort of like the social health of the group is so important for young people mm -hmm. to be able to take creative risks, like volunteering for a part or giving an idea. Um, so I so was at Leeds Playhouse for 10 years. Um, and then before that, I'd been a secondary drama teacher um, at a school called Brigshaw High School, um, which is in Allerton by water. And I was there for 10 years, started as a newly qualified drama teacher, did some pastoral sort of um, assistant head of year stuff, then became head of drama, then team leader of creative arts. And after 10 years in teaching, I was yeah. tired and sadly yeah. a little bit disillusioned. And I did a master's in Manchester in applied mm -hmm. theatre, which gave me the experience of working with young people in children's care homes, working with young carers, um, understanding about reasons why we might make work, theatre work with participants and exploring the whole notion of making work with, for and by young people. Mm. Um, so I was exploring the notion of co-creating work and the challenges of that quite early on, but I don't think we'd really called it co-creation back then. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I've definitely come to co-create and work with young people at a point in my life where I have a smaller ego. <laughs> so I'm a bit less fearful about the outcome because in the past, when I've been making work with young people, there's been a lot of fear around what are people going to think when they see this. And yeah. even last Saturday, I directed um, an opera with some young people in Dracula Opera. I had to wake up in the morning and take a deep breath and say, the reason you do this is for young people to enjoy themselves mm -hmm. <laughs> and let go of the rest of the stuff. Um, yeah. So that's that's who I am work-wise. Um, do bits of freelancing here and there. And uh, I'm excited about new writing. I love reading plays and watching plays. I love working with young people and hearing about how they see the world and supporting them to to talk about the things that are important to them and to like speak up the whole the whole sort of emphasis to speak up is to encourage young people to have a voice and some of the young people that are involved in the project if you say to them what do you want to talk about they're like I don't know and you're like okay and I think they do know but they just don't believe that someone wants to listen yeah um, and it's also quite exposing to ask, mm -hmm. say to someone, if you were going to speak up about something, what kind of, what art form would you want to, to use to tell those stories? They might not have like a broad vocabulary or experience of different art forms. And it's, you know, when someone says to you, what do you want? I don't know how often we do say this. If someone said to me, what do you want? I go, well, what's on offer? <laughs> 
because I don't want to say what I want in case someone says you can't have that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Speak Up is is an, a really amazing project. It's funded mm. for three years, and and on Friday, just gone, we had twenty young people from Cathedral High School on stage at Wakefield Theatre Royal, um, and we're lucky that the budget allows us to have five poets. Um, and those poets were all from very different backgrounds. They write work. It's all very different. Because I wanted the sort of point of that day was to challenge young people's assumptions about who who can have a voice and how you can have it. Mm. Um, and people like, uh, his name's Testament. His real name is Andrew Brooks was there. And um, Kirsty Taylor, she's a really interesting poet. Um and yeah, so we had like a punk poet there and then we had a rapper who's like, well, a record-breaking beatboxer and these young people who've never, some of them never visited the theatre before. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, they all stood up in the studio and every every person in the room read something out. It's interesting about asking young people what they want. I I think it that really resonated with me because... I, often I will ask my clients, what is it you want? Like, what do you really want? And it's a it's a difficult question. And sometimes people say, well, no one's ever really asked me that before. Like, what do I want? So, so at building those skills early on to say, without shame, this is what I would like, you know, this is what I, this is what I want. Um, I'm really, I mean, I can tell you've got a huge amount of experience, huge amount of passion in this area. And I'd love to understand, try and understand, like, where did that come from? What is it about theatre? What is it about young people? Um, so I always loved drama at school. Um, I think as a young person, I really wanted to be seen. I enjoyed having an audience and sometimes that audience would be me telling the teacher they can stick it <laughs> and then being asked to leave. Um, so I think there was something very performative as a young person wanting to be seen. Um, uh, both my parents, both my parents were alcoholics. I grew up in a really dysfunctional household. Um, so drama lessons and the social side of school gave me some escape. I think, um, I had a drama teacher who was interested in me and I got to play different characters. And I guess in those, it sounds so cliched, but like I got to like process, like how I was feeling. I got to be yeah. in a space and shout and it was like, yeah. but I'm in character. So that was good. Um, my dad, uh, used to take us to the theatre quite a lot. Um, and like went to see Lamey's and loved that. And I went on to do performing arts at Amersham College and the course I wanted to do, apply for, I couldn't, um, get on because I didn't have the GCSEs I needed. So you do like a foundation course and then you could go on and do the next course if you retook your GCSEs and I took my maths GCSE five times. Um, and still didn't get it um, because I was dyslexic and that hadn't been, no one oh. kind of knew that. Um, 
So if I was ever asked to read out at school, I'd ask if I could go to the toilet and then they'd say, no, you can't go to the toilet during class time. And then I'd swear and then I'd be sent out and I'd be like, yes. Um, so I think I like stories. Um, I really, I've just enjoyed theatre a lot. I think it's an escape and it was a way of like a form of self-expression. And then going to Amersham College was amazing because I got to do theatre and drama all day for five days a week. And what was really exciting is at Amersham College, they saw my potential and they suggested that I applied for university, which mm -hmm. my careers officer at school had said, you're not university material, whatever that means. <laughs> um, Deep so, and, uh, help, helpful. helpful. Um, so I think going to college and doing like set design and writing scripts, mm -hmm. directing scripts and making shows and taking them out to primary schools. Um, the sad thing is I think I always wanted to perform. Um, um, my mum wasn't necessarily massively supportive of that. Like she did say, you can't sing, you can't dance, you can just about act, which is probably not a very kind thing to, do, to say. Um, and I didn't think financially it was viable. And I think in reflection, I probably wouldn't have managed going to auditions and being told no. Because, you know, actors have to go for like job interviews, don't they, every couple of months. Um, yeah. If a friend cancels going for lunch with me, I feel rejected. <laughs> I don't think I could manage auditioning for a show. Um, and then when I was at a college, somebody came to speak to us, Breton Hall. And Breton sounded like an amazing place. And it was quite far away from the south where I was living. And I think that felt like, oh, I could get away from some of the challenges that I was having, I guess, at home. Um, and yeah, just, I love stories and I love reading stuff and, and feeling like a strong connection with it. I think it helps me make sense of the world a bit. And the cool thing was, and I can't believe, you know, at 46, you still remember something from when you were like 19, but I won the um, Performing Arts Student of the Year at Amersham Ooh. College. I got a hundred pound check. And uh, someone said, you're good. Like someone was saying, you're good enough and you're good at this thing and you could go and do that every day at college. Um, and then they said, you should apply for university. So I think I was very lucky that I had teachers in my life who yeah. spurred me on. Hence why then I guess I became a teacher because I really wanted to be an adult for young people, the adult that they maybe didn't have, which sounds also a bit like a cliche. <laughs> it's so, thank you for sharing that. And and I'm sorry you had some of those experiences. It, it, I suppose the thing that's in my head immediately is thinking, oh, education and the, and the kind of the quite violent rip of arts subjects out of our curriculum you know it the impact because uh, you know your story resonated drama was like a real it was I loved drama I had a drama teacher who really noticed me I was quite shy as a child I, I loved it and I just kind of carried that that through I did a level and then I was like oh uh, people are telling me I could go to university what should I do oh, I'll do something that I love so I did drama at Kent and and it, it you know I think 
And my daughter started to get into drama as well, which makes me so happy. I'm so happy because before she's like, I hate drama and that. Anyway, that's but you a have diversion. to love it. It will change yeah. your life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because it, I think the thing about theatre is that it's such a collaborative process as well. It's like you do. You, it's social. Um, you you get to test things out. You get to make mistakes. You get to you know, it, there's just so much power in yeah. that. And I know for some people, like, drama is the worst thing ever. And I'm not saying it's for everybody. But I do think that building of confidence, that social um, connection with others, as you say, like, being able to tell stories and understand different perspectives and make sense of the world, it's such a great way in. I think that the journey of a production is really exciting and I was lucky when I worked at Leeds Playhouse I got to direct shows that were on the the main stage and and that journey of like having an idea of a play and then and then actually like making that happen and it's a hard one like it's really hard making a show Mm -hmm. um and all the stuff that all the problem solving that comes along with it and um it's a brilliant play by Evan Placey called Pronoun. Um, and it's about a trans young person. And I don't know how long ago we did that play, maybe five years ago. Um, and not many people were talking about the experiences of trans young people five years ago. In like, not in schools, I don't think really. Um, definitely not in youth theatres. Um, so... And I remember making that show and at the time being like, why why am I making this show? Like, am I really in the right place to be making this show? And then I remember the NHS were um, offering some training on supporting trans people and going on that training and then connecting with a charity. Um, And some trans young people came into the rehearsal space and then we linked up with different charities to create some safe spaces during the interval and after the show and actually that like that process of like I don't know the answer to this am I going to be brave enough to ask someone to help me they're going to come alongside me okay you know we're going to work this out together I remember going into rehearsal and saying to young people there's some words in the script that I don't understand what they mean um and that was a big learning curve for me like when working with young people you don't have to like I'd say to young people I don't really know what's going to happen, but you can trust that I care enough that I'll make sure that, you know, you guys are looked after and I'll hold the space and we will definitely have a show. But I don't Mm -hmm. have all the answers and we are going to work it out together. And then I jokingly say, but at the end of the day, I have the last word. (laughs) I'd be like, what are your ideas? Okay, no. (laughs) So that I think. That's I was just going to say what love, what lovely modelling that is as well. To be, you know, to say to young people, there is uncertainty, and we're still safe. There is uncertainty. We don't. We can sit in the I don't knows. We can ask for help. We can feel muddled and unsure, and we are still safe. We yeah. can kind of figure it out. And and it's such a powerful message, especially making a especially making a show because. I'd be planning my rehearsals and then I'd be like, oh, I don't know how we're going to do this scene. And then I'd be like, well, maybe you need to remember you've got 20, because youth theatre productions, you always have really big 
casts mm. and I was like maybe you need to remember there's 25 other ideas and heads in the room and you don't and that's a big thing for me I, I often have been in places in my life where I'm like I won't have any help or I, I don't know how to ask for help and I'm really interested in like what stops us asking for help mm. um and about yeah just like about a year ago I was quite unwell with my mental health and I remember journaling about like everything that was stopping me asking for help. And it's been one of the things that has really uh, helped help me a lot. I feel like I'm in, I was thinking about like chapters or milestones or moments in my life. And that ability to be able to say to my boss at the time, I'm really unwell. And then not like take all my work off me or um, judge me. Mm-hmm. And we actually had like an annual review. Um, and she said to me, are you happy for me to put in the annual review about you being unwell with that anxiety? Um, and I said, yeah. And she was like, we both had a cry because I was saying, thank you so much for supporting me in a way that it meant it was okay for me to say that I need to have my camera off in this Zoom. Yeah. Or can I work from home today? Or mm. I'm going to not work this morning because I need to lie on the floor and cry for a bit but I'll, you know, work a bit later. And she said, you know, she was having a little cry as well because she was like, thank you for being so honest. And also communicating to other people. Like, I'm really struggling with my anxiety and it will look like this. I will sometimes be a bit withdrawn. I might need to leave the room. Um, and I just remember thinking, oh, I'm doing it. I'm communicating and I'm asking for help. And now it's freed me up so much to just... Uh, people have seen me at my worst. Mm. People have seen me like not being able to give eye contact, crying so much that, you know, like snot's hanging out of your nose and they still want to hang out with you and you haven't used up all your tokens. You know, your friends are still going to be your friends. Yeah. It was a dark, dark, tricky time, but it's it's definitely like moved me on massively. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I think, I think that is a, well, I certainly noticed both in myself and, and sort of observing others around the identities that we attach to ourselves. We, bec- you know, we become very attached to being certain things. I am competent. I am able to figure things out on my own. I, um, I don't need help. I, you know, I'm okay. By I, used to lo- I used to love saying, like when I first started at Leeds Playhouse, I remember saying my capacity to work is really high. And also, you know, like all those things that now I look at and I think that's it's just really unhealthy what you, what you say. Like now I'm someone like, I really value my mental health, so I will be taking an hour lunch break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that in the past I felt like, uh, and also when I was a teacher, I'd be like, I'm very, uh, I'll follow the rules and, like if you were in my form and you didn't have your plan assigned, you definitely had a detention. <laughs> and I used to really pride myself on like, I follow the rules and a young person will wear the correct uniform despite mm-hmm. how many hours. Um, but I was like, when you think about what's driving that, it's it's about what other people think of me and it's not kind and it's not compassionate and it's it's just not not helpful at all. Yeah, well, it holds us, you know, when we hold ourselves to such high standards and it's, 
one of the other ones that came up as you were talking about that sense of I thrive on stress. You know, when people say, I'm really good, you know, I'm really good at the end of a deadline, you know, that's when I'm at my best and I'm I'm no. thriving on that. Isn't that just tra isn't that just trauma? And but, uh, uh, yeah, and I, I loved what you said. What you said about the freedom piece—that actually, by almost detaching yourself from that "I am," and by saying, "Actually, I'm someone who sometimes asks for help, sometimes doesn't ask for help." Oh yeah, I'm someone who sometimes thrives on stress, sometimes doesn't. You know, we're not. If we detach ourselves from some of those identities, it does free us up, mm. and. Uh, one of the things I wanted to have a conversation with you about was, uh, uh, and why I wanted to get you onto the podcast. Um, I mean, we didn't know each other before this conversation, um, and I've kind of been watching. So it sounds really stalkery, like watching you on social media. And I, know I feel like I no say, one, I feel like no one notices stuff that I put <laughs> on social media. Oh, I've noticed. I think, I've noticed. I think they do. Yeah, they do. And um, I, I think. One of the things that I've really observed and enjoyed is uh, how, well, it seems that you're busy, it seems that you do lots of things. You share, you share what you've been up to, the share the work with the young people, and there's real joy in it and a real energy and optimism and hope. And I know that sometimes, you know, and on, on this podcast we do that, that we can get into this, what, you know, what are the things that are wrong, what, what, what could be how could we fix it? How could we solve this? And I wanted to kind of focus on actually how can we remember that there's such joy in our work as well and it can bring, whilst whilst a lot of the stuff that we do is challenging, um, it's not it's not easy. There's also stuff that is so satisfying. You know, there are people who don't get that kind of job satisfaction from their work and there's lots of us that do get a sense of um work satisfaction and I wonder if you could how what's your response when I when I say that to you um I really love it that you've said that because that's not it's not necessarily been how I've lived my life <laughs> um yeah I think so one of the things that really helps me is to sort of think about like gratitude, like what, what things do I have to be grateful for? Um, not in a punishing way, not in a like, well, some people don't have X, Y, and Z, so you should be happy. Um, but I really do try and look for the simplicity in life. Mm. Um, when I was unwell recently, I was looking back in my journal and I'd written, today was a good day tea tasted like tea again and I was like I think when you've experienced difficult times you don't have to experience difficult times to be grateful but when you drink a cup of tea and it tastes nice again you're like this is a good sign um so I do try to think about being grateful because I think there's been lots of more recently, what I've realized is I have a really nice, I have a really good life, um, mm. despite a lot of the stuff that's happened. Both my parents aren't alive anymore. My mom died when I was 19. Like there's been lots of like really tricky things. And mm. seven years ago, I got divorced and 
there's been lots of things that have happened. And I found myself recently thinking, my life is the most simple it's ever been. I'm the safest financially, you know, health-wise, but I still, I still feel scared. I still feel unhappy. I still have times where I get really down. So I've started just to acknowledge that some of the stuff that is still hanging around for me is based around like my nervous system and things like that. So once you sort of, like once you have to slow down and be nice to yourself, because if you don't, you're going to go over the edge, you then start to prioritize your sleep and try and drink more water. I drink too much Diet Coke. Um, (laughs) And you start doing those things. And then when you start to slow down, you really start to value your life which then means you see it differently. So if I can get to bed and I don't have loads of like, oh, why did I say that to that person? And why did I do this? If my mind Mm -hmm. isn't racing with all the things, I I think today's been a good day. And often I can wake up in the morning and I can feel anxious about the day ahead because I'm worried that I won't meet people's expectations of me or they won't meet, they won't meet my expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I have to do is sort of go, right, like go through like a bit of a checklist of all the things that mean I'm safe and I'm happy and well. And the sad thing is I've been like lying on a beach in Thailand in my life and not been happy. Um, and, and that was okay. You know, that was, it's okay to be sad. Um, but I've done loads of amazing things. I've been to loads of amazing places and had lots of cool things happen. And people go, oh, that's such a cool thing you're getting to do. And my head would always be like, no, well, what's good about it? What's, I just, uh, I was lucky enough to go on a trip to Japan when I was at Leeds Playhouse. And I remember everybody was excited about me going. And it, I found it annoying because I was like, why is everyone going on about how amazing it's going to be? I am petrified of it. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, oh, you live you live in so much fear that you can't really enjoy these things in your life. So part of like what I'm trying to do is to be less fearful and then I can actually enjoy things, which means I enjoy things that are much more simple. And over time I become much more of a compassionate person. So when a young person does stand up and read some of the poetry they've written, I nearly want to cry because I'm like, yes, you've done a brave thing. But when I was a teacher, I was like, everybody was going to read a poem and everyone was going to do this and everyone was going because they had to, because you had to achieve because achieving made you feel better. And nowadays I'm like, there's a lot of angry people out there. There's a lot of people that are in fear. I get like, I think a lot of us are, we, I think there is a danger in the world of feeling quite empty, quite disconnected because we do live in a society of instant gratification. Like, Society's not massively set up for us to have our feelings, is it? Not oh, really. Oh, no, because that's not productive and it's not going to make money. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the, the idea of like the road less travelled and when I meet someone and they're being a little bit moody, I'm always like, you okay? Like if it's a, wet, a person in a restaurant and I'd be like, oh, it's quite busy in here. Does it feel manageable? Are you all right? And like there's a moment where that, waiting staff member sort of goes and then they are more relaxed and then it's okay 
Um, I do that on really good days. On some days I don't give anyone eye contact and I want to push the person out of the way in front of me. He's walking too slow. But now, rather than me thinking the world's full of idiots, I now go, oh, you're frustrated the person in front of you is walking slowly. This is a red flag for you. What's going on? And it's often that I've got a resentment because I've said yes to something I don't really want to be doing. That is a really long, muddled answer. No, about it's joy. Not. <laughs> I don't know if I even answered the question. Well, I didn't really ask you one. I just asked you for, for a response. And I think, I suppose what I took from that is there's something that's happened. You know, you've, you've made a decision, right? We're going to try and not live our life in fear and actually embrace opportunity and, and be grateful for the things that we do have and try and live a more simpler, connected life where we're not constantly hustling all the time. Um, and, it, and, and I suppose what I heard is that you, there was something about that decision that you have made, but also the work, I mean, this is terrible, the work you've done on yourself. I'd need to find a better it phrase. It is work. That. It's kind like, of, it is, it is, so, it it's is another work. job. It, it is work. <laughs> and it's I ongoing. haven't had time to do paid work because I'm trying every day to like look after myself. Where's <laughs> yeah. the way? You should get an allowance. <laughs> like a self-care allowance. Self-care. But it's, but it's more than, I think it's more than that sort of self-care. It's that knowing yourself, getting to know yourself, getting to see what the flag, red flags are, as you talked about, and noticing... There, there was something for me when when you were talking about you started with self yourself and that has had an impact on how you then think of and treat other people you know that and I sometimes I love that way of thinking about it because too often we're trying to be so kind and lovely and generous to everybody else in the world and we don't have then enough reserves to do anything for ourselves um I can't I can't I've got you know I don't have much to offer other people unless I'm okay and I've definitely been in the past a massive people pleaser but like what the motivation to help other people is and I'm sure people might roll their eyes is inherent it is inherently seeking approval people pleasing is actually in a way quite selfish because you're like if I do this thing for this person they'll like me Mm -hmm. and then that's you're going to get hurt. Yeah, so, people don't get to know the the real you. You don't, they don't they don't get to know you. No. Um, but it's I think a lot of the old ways of, of how I have been uh, have been survival. It's yeah. like a way to survive. Yeah, and they're not appropriate now. Um, and I used to like I still can be incredibly controlling because of the fear makes you control everything. But like. To consider, like, there might be a power greater than ourselves in charge of what happens. And if Gemma lets go a little bit today, like, it's frightening. But it's like maybe, especially when you're doing work, like producing work or working with schools, you know, like Mm -hmm. the strikes that we've had in schools meant that artists weren't willing to go into school or couldn't go into school. So then you're like, well, we have to deliver 10 uh, hours uh, a term oh we're not gonna we're not gonna fulfill the contract well then can we still pay the artist could we put another session on the end or and like as soon as I think those are all things that are gonna make the project not work then I'm just blocking like 
uh, I would just be exhausted. I can't, I can't do this, that. You can't do job, can you, with humans if you aren't going to be able to cope if things change. So I've had to learn because then I, otherwise I can't enjoy that job. And I, I'm lucky, like when I got my job at Leeds Playhouse, I, you know, I, I couldn't, well, couldn't believe I'd got in. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this job? And then working with Opera North and then working with Wakefield Theatre Royal, people, people look at my Instagram and think, oh, you do really cool stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you do do cool stuff, Gemma. And I've been doing cool stuff for a long, long time, but I haven't been enjoying it. Mm. And I'm a bit sad about that. So I'm like, right, I need to start enjoying some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it is about, you know, I do think you have to be intentional about it because I think the nature of humans is that we tend to focus more on the things that aren't working and more negative aspects of human life. And it, you know, it, and I think it comes back again to that you know we live in a capitalist patriarchal society where it's all about like progress and growth and um fixing and creating new things to solve yeah. new problems or old problems and being measured by what you can achieve and it's like maybe my life is still a good one if like, i go for a walk outside and listen to some nice music maybe no one sees it or hears about it but like that was a good day mm. and then on the really good days I'll be posting it on social media yeah because I do because I do want approval because I do want people to think what I'm doing is good and I also want to champion the young people and the yeah. organizations I work for because sometimes in some organizations the marketing of such activities doesn't always join up mm. you know marketing teams have a lot of pressure to market the shows um, so a lot of the time, participatory work, education, outreach, you might not hear about it, but at least Playhouse, not North, um, and Wakefield Theatre Royal do so much um, participatory work, so much, and you don't get to hear about it all because it maybe doesn't, well, it, um, it can get you funding, but it doesn't always sell your Check tickets. It. Yeah. Whoops. That's said to be controversial. <laughs> delete that bit. No, don't delete that bit. Oh, you know, and it's not that they, it, it's not, I, I know a couple of marketing departments. You're right. They are really busy and, you know, and they've got their own challenges. I think that is a focus to sell, sell the tickets. And then the participation stuff is a kind of extra. It's what the Arts Council give. That's why a lot of theatres get the money they get because they are, a dementia-friendly theatre. They do welcome refugees. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of that stuff underpins the work that happens. Um, but I think, and I think it's this is another conversation. I think it's really difficult to sometimes know where are the places to advertise the work that you're doing, so you can engage with a broader audience um, because it actually needs to be out within communities. And you might not have those links in communities and you don't want to step on other organizations who are doing work in those communities. And I always used to think, oh, um, this work has value if we could get those young people to come to the theater. Um, and a colleague of mine was like, the work still has value if they don't come to, to Leeds Playhouse. And I'd be like, but I want them to know about the theater and I want them to experience it. 
Um, and they're like, but that might not be right for them. And I'm like, no, it's good for everybody. But, you know, some of those spaces don't feel like they are for people. And when I got the job at Leeds Playhouse, I felt like it was a massive stamp of approval. And when we were in the pandemic and I was furloughed, I realized how important it was for me to say I was a youth theatre director at Leeds Playhouse. It defined who I was because it felt like a mark of approval. And I also realized that I was expecting my job to fulfill too many parts of my life. Mm -hmm. Because when I was furloughed, I was like, I was like, who am I if I'm not that person? And I was like, well, you better start finding some stuff to do, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, again, you know, it's, this isn't stuff to, those moments of awareness it's not about beating yourself up isn't it and saying oh why are you why are you attaching your that. job to your identity naughty naughty yeah yeah <laughs> but kind yeah. of going well you know that is what we do because that's how the world works you know it's you miss world you meet that we're in and they say oh what do you do who do you work for um i wanted to ask you uh the, the question what does do good and do well mean for you? To do good and do well means to me to be as much as possible that is safe, to be your authentic self, uh, to try and have integrity. I think that's like doing well. And then the work you do will be will be good, and maybe like good needs to be good enough, and good looks different on different days. And my good will be different to someone else's good. Um, and you've got to be all right yourself from like the very start. Um, and I think there's often a fear for me that if I look after myself, I'll be forgotten about. Like I need to be out there working hard, helping people socializing because like, people might forget about me mm. um and that's like that's old stuff isn't it that's like a very childlike response to the world um, so yeah looking after yourself and looking after others but only when you've sorted yourself out first and that might just look like saying to someone at the start of a meeting can we can you can you just wait five minutes while i go to the toilet do you know I mean, yeah. it might just be asking for a glass of water when you arrive somewhere. It might yeah. be like, it's really simple things. Asking then for otherwise, what you need. Asking for what you need. And then also asking other people, like, what do you need to do your best work? Mm. Mm. Um, and, and we were saying at the very beginning of this, that people don't always know what they want, but I think they often, if you give them something they don't want, they're like, oh. So, you know, like if someone doesn't know what they want, you can say, well, what do you really not want? What do yeah. you really not want this project to look like um, or this show or this yeah. experience or this interview process? It's like, well, I um, don't want the person to feel like this or to do this. And then we're like, okay, so what's the opposite of that? Yeah. Yeah. I did an exercise on my group program, Lasting Impacts, this week, which was looking at in five years time, how would you really hate your life and your business to look like in a not, realistic, like not but at, five um, years time, what would five, you hate your life to look like? That's a very yeah. good question. Yeah. But, and, and then we look at, well, what, you know, what would you love your life to look like? And because I think if you're looking at it and you're saying, well, I'd hate for me to still be working 
a hundred hours for me not yeah. to be seeing my kids for um yeah. not connecting with my family. I'd yeah. hate this, 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 and this. Um it's useful because then you and then you go, right, well, you know, okay, so what would you like it to look like? And then, you know, you make it you can make a decision and I'm you make a decision about which path, you know, okay, so if that's where you're heading, you've chosen the one you would like. Okay, we might not <laughs> yeah. like get exactly that, but if you're going on that path, what are then your first steps? What might you need to be saying no to now so that yes, you not yes. end up over in that direction? And just mm. remembering what we have. There's lots we don't have control over. But what do we have control mm. over? Um, and it's fascinating, you know, in you sort of think about how old you'll be in that. I mean, I'll be, what will I be? Five years, 49. I'll be approaching my 50th birthday. You know, yeah. what do I want my well, life to look like? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good thing to be working towards, isn't it? I remember being in the shower and being in a pretty unhealthy relationship at the time. And it was approaching my 40th birthday. And I just remember thinking, you promised yourself before you turned 40, you wouldn't carry on this thing. And I was like, right, we'll just have my 40th party. <laughs> All this like bargaining. Just, yeah. I'm just going to wait till that happens. I'm just going to wait till that happens. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, well, again, I think, you know, it's a human thing because, because there is comfort in the discomfort. You know, that's why so mm -hmm. many people stay in places, in jobs they're unhappy in. Yeah, procrastinating because we're perfectionists. Like, don't even start the thing because it won't be good enough. Mm. And that might be about, like, emptying the bin, in my case. I'm like, just... And I'll be like, well, if I've emptied the bin, I'll do this. And so I'm like, no, just empty it and leave it outside the door of your flat. And then tomorrow morning, take it down the stairs. And then I'm like, well, I have to clean the lid. And I have to be like, maybe you won't clean the lid this time. Mm. But I used to be someone that had to, like, you know, it was like, well, there you go, classic, compulsive person, all or nothing. And now Get I'm like, all. what does... Trying to live in the grey a bit more. Like, what does... Live in the grey a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, rather than... Because I either, like, I absolutely love you or, like, I hate you and you're dead to me. <laughs> and I'm like, what's the in-between? What's the in-between look like? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, you have your best case scenario, your worst case scenario. What might yeah. the in-between look like? Yeah. Exactly. Um, Before we... I'm going to ask in a minute how people can get in touch with you. But before that, I wanted to... Um, ask a question that I started to ask on this podcast, which is, um, what do you think could be the greatest gift that we could give ourselves? Oh, I think compassion. Like, just showing ourselves kindness. And I think growing up in a house where there wasn't much kindness. It was quite sarcastic. And then being a teacher for years where everything is about punishment and reward and there isn't always that much time in a day to show kindness and compassion. And now I just think, why? like, being horrible to myself is not really going to get those stuff, the stuff done that I want to do. Mm -hmm. But really challenging your limited beliefs around how stuff gets done mm. and actually yeah. stuff gets done if you can be kind to yourself about it and approach it with like curiosity and like maybe it'll be nice and so if I don't do this and it's like and what 
someone will be disappointed. Yeah. 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 I love that. Thank you. So Gemma, how do people, they all, they all want to follow you now and see your joyful optimism and you've got to do it all the time. You're not allowed any. No, I'm going to be joyful. All <laughs> That's the time. it now. Yeah. Well, I think there was like, what was it? I put something on. Yeah. I put something on about being plus size for most of my life and being grateful that I now will work in organizations that will let me wear like comfortable clothes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as a teenager, there wasn't like plus size fashion. And, and that's the, you know, that's the thing, the gratitude thing, isn't it? Like getting up in the morning and I can color my hair, whatever color I want it to be yeah. that week. And I can wear my pink trainers and, and that's okay. That I've been going into schools recently and people have to wear suits and ties and blazers and young people have to tuck their shirts in. Like I don't have to do that. And that means a lot yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram mm -hmm. and it's just my name, Gemma Wolfinden. Um, and people can direct message me and I'm always happy to like chat to people about stuff. I support quite a lot of, um, sort of early career artists. I often support teachers who are considering leaving education, mm -hmm. um, and often get messages from young people wanting to find that ultimate monologue for their drama school audition. Um, so yeah. And I, and I like, I like meeting new people and I like talking mm. a lot. I've talked a lot. Thank you for letting me talk forever. Oh, it's lovely to have you. I want to know what the ultimate monologue audition is. Is well, there one? No, I think what's important is that young people like play their age as much as possible. Young people like play a character with the experience of the character they can relate to. Um, and nowadays there's lots more new writing for young people. That was part of like, one of the things I was really passionate about worked at Leeds Playhouse. Um, but young people don't necessarily know many plays and sadly the curriculum doesn't always give them the breadth of <laughs> stuff to read and teachers don't have time to no. read plays. I do have time to read plays because it's like it was part of my job. Um, so, yeah, you can be like, I'm looking for a character that lives in this kind of place and does this kind of thing and, this, and I'll be like oh, I can tell you some you know. more books. yeah I'll be at Ed, I'll be at Edinburgh Festival as well this this ah, summer cool. so if anybody's up there I tend to hang out at Summer Hall quite a lot so if people are like let's talk about plays and if anybody's yeah. looking for someone to direct a young people's <laughs> piece of work give me a shout <laughs> um brilliant Thank you so much for sharing your time with me this afternoon. I was going to say this morning, but we're recording in the afternoon. Um, it's been such a pleasure meeting you, you properly me. rather than via emails. Um, and yeah, look after yourself. And you. Thanks a lot for your time. Bye. Bye. Yes. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. We covered a lot. And I think. A lot will resonate with you if you are ready to ask for help in your freelance business, if you're an organisation, an individual who wants to do good and do well, then do get in touch. All the links that you will need are in the show notes. Take very good care.